0: And it, we are now live Monday night. Back after another very nice spin, which is good. What was that? Is that four in a row? I think EJ. Is that right? Four. four. Very good. Very good. So it's always nice. I think it's Essendon have now not beaten us since 2014. So long may the streak continue, uh, which is good. So uh, tigs welcome back, mate. How are
1: you? Yeah, good. Yeah, I'm. I'm seven days without a cigarette. So if I, if I get a bit jumpy or go off the rails, please understand.
0: We don't need any more influence for you going off the rails, So I, I fear Fair. No, You'll be right. You'll be right. Good on you. So doing well apart from that? Yeah, all good. Very good. And EJ, welcome back to you, mate.
2: Yeah, welcome back. Welcome back. I believe we're going to debut some new technology tonight, which I'm very excited about.
0: So We are. It's always nervous when we debut something without testing our a live environment, but we'll see how we go. And uh, of course, welcome back to Philly. And thank you for joining us again, mate. Um, appreciate you coming back the week after. So thank you for, for that. Really appreciate it.
3: No, looking forward to it. And, um, you know, I had to. I got, I got a bit of lip on Saturday night from people in the crowd for, for <laughs> my, my um, abortion of uh, last Monday's
0: effort. <laughs> oh, I, no, they can't be that cruel, too. And I shout out to Nick as well for helping organize this. So, Nick, really appreciate your work, mate. Uh, thank you so much. All right, well, it's actually funny because obviously we went to have you on last week in the lead-up to the Dreamtime, but I think having you on post the Dreamtime game has probably given a a few more things to talk about, uh, which is a good thing. So we'll we'll get stuck into the game because it all kind of ties in. So Richmond's 11-14-80 defeated Essendon, 7-6-48 by 32 points and cementing our spot in the eight for another week. Rewalt four goals, Bolton two goals, uh, Morris Reilly Jr. two goals, Castagna one, Edwards one, Soldo one. But before we get into the game itself, Phil, Dreamtime at the G, it's such a, a big occasion on the football calendar um, as supporters. It's now great that it's now round-wide and now often over two rounds, so all clubs embracing it. Can you just talk a little bit about your involvement and in, in bringing this game to life? I think it's almost a decade ago now.
3: Yeah, it was over. Um, I emceed the Harrison Room um, for one of the original commercial functions and the MC got crook, so... They rang me, yep, I'll emcee that, and um, did that room really well. And in the back of the room was Mike Perry and um, Coghlan's dad. Now, um, they're very influential. Mike Perry was the past players' association, no, the past players' Richmond, past players' president. And um, Cogs' father is a mining magnate, very influential. Um, Anyway, they called me over after I'd finished all my um, jobs, in the Harrison room at the MCG and uh, I think we played the Swans you know it was all like those years ago and they they were carrying on Phil you've got something to say you, you you have to help make this happen make what happen Mike and he said we've got to do something better than Essendon and I said why would we want to do it better than we haven't got the red we need Essendon we've got to do it with them together so you know five weeks later um, Longie and I had uh, breakfast with Kevin, cheats, and uh, you know not long after that it was launched and press conference. I've got some wonderful photos and videos on my on my computer, um, but there was only one press person there, and uh, dream time that G was born and it was it was fantastic, you know, and it was so divisive by a lot of people, writing in and blogging in, and the VFL AFL got hammered and. Um, Look at it now. It is um, it's 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 just wonderful, as you said, how it's how it's grown and developed into, you know, I must. Uh, it's almost as big as the Anzac Day calendar.
0: Agree, agree. And you know, you've got all the clubs now with their players designing the the jumpers, like you know, obviously Marlon Pickett designed ours, um, and they're telling such great stories themselves. And they must make you really proud to see the players from all clubs, not just Richmond, but being able to express themselves with those kind of designs and getting involved in that aspect of it
3: yeah of course i remember the first one was done by um a staffer of current gamerti at richmond um and i was moved to tears in the press con- i did the press conference with with whitey uh, leon white and um it was the first club to actually change you know this the the dynamic of their jumper, like instead of having a yellow sash, we had this beautiful indigenous design, done by Jura, Jura Harvey Bandlett, um or you know, 12, 13 years ago, and it was just beautiful. I couldn't believe it. So yes, wonderful how they've included the clubs, the players of clubs, as you said. But um, you, if you, uh, the, the highlight of it, the whole thing for me was Richmond players, the whole team involvement in uh, the Laguntas dance.
0: As per this image here, Phil, it was... Um... Yes.
3: Uh, I was standing right there with my kids and grandkids because i just finished doing my business as the homecoming hero. And um, Nicky said, Ben Beningale's uh, secretary said, don't don't go up yet, you've got to see it this close.
0: Yeah, so, right, okay. Close what, like? what does that mean to you when you see the club embracing... You know, we've got all of our Indigenous players surrounded by the rest of the playing group really embracing what they're all about, what the night's all about. What does that mean to you, seeing that? Uh,
3: It's wonderful. Um, I I said that was one of the best things of the night, but probably the best of the night was Peggy, um, our president's speech. It just epitomised what we've been on about for so long um, you know, starting probably with Nicky Winmark putting to himself and Longy standing up and taking their stance. Um, and um, anyway, Peggy's speech in front of the packed president's luncheon at, in the Olympic room brought me to tears. And then I had to stand up and say a few words at the end, uh, you know, with tears rolled down me, was because I couldn't believe it, that it's the circle's unbelievably turned for us. Um, still, a, Still a long way to go in certain aspects of the game, but um, it's, you know, how, how she st- stood there and, and uh, said, you know, just rolled off the tongue and, and such conviction about a responsibility, you know, and look at what we've done in three, you know, we've got three flags in um, by, and she starved off uh, a challenge early in her, early in her um, presidency uh, because we were worried about too much other than football. Yet, because we became that powerhouse of responsibility um, in terms of our, you know, our inclusiveness of everyone from Basha Hooli and his community to Marbio Chol and to anyone who walked in that place was respected. Um, and here we have three premierships later, and you know, and we're still in the game; the window's still open. So that was just her speech. I, I emailed her today and I asked her for a copy of it because. Every president should have that in the in their um, in their um, on their wall at the office. Yeah.
0: And I think, as a club, you can't ask for a better DNA. Because even if the results aren't happening on the field, if that's the kind of culture you're uh, bringing into the club and and growing and harnessing, then you're always going to be heading in the right direction. I think. Yeah, yeah for sure. And so being I, the homecoming I, hero. Oh, sorry, go EJ. Oh, I
2: was just <laughs> saying. Um, I, I, I saw that photo. That's from Klein and the Herald Sun, and and. That really struck me. I reckon it's one of the most powerful images that we've seen in Australian sport for a long time. And the commentary on social media from supporters of almost every other club has been unbelievable. Mm. In support. It has been unbelievable. The,
3: the look, it was a secret. I went to the um, was invited and went and spoke at, at length at the um, morning tea at their boardroom with partners and um, when I say partners, the commercial partners of the footy club, and it was wonderful. And the Torres Strait Islander dancers and the Solomon Island—they were all practicing their dance out in front of us, on the ground, and after training. And then our boys mixed with the um, Lagundas dance group, and they didn't practice it. And I'm thinking, what's going on here? They're just—they're just standing there talking. And when I got to the ground, I said, Nikki, have you seen this dance? Brendan Gale's secretary who walked me around. And she goes, no one's seen it. This is wow. so secretive. Wow. And so when I saw it, I was, like I said, I was standing five metres away. I just thought, wow, this is as powerful as the haka. You know, the New Zealand Maori haka. It was, it was sort of like, this could be, this is, because everyone was involved, all the place, not just the Aboriginal boys, not just, you know, a stacky, going out, doing his own thing with the with the other Aboriginal guests, if you like, dancers. The whole club got in. The whole – and it was – I was just moved to tears. It was, you know, like, wow. And every player – like, it, it helps so when you've got people like Jack Rewall and Dusty who who not just drop in to mix to the school at, at the KGI, at the Institute. They, they drop in there more than they have lunch at the club you know, meeting the students and helping them do stuff and, and just being a mentor to to a lot of those kids that come in for, for the programs from all over Australia. So it's like you said, um, Chris, I think you said it before, it's part of our DNA now. Not like it was the Three Amigos when I was playing, There was Mitch, myself and Rioli and we were nicknamed the Three Amigos, you know, and it was um, now it's the whole bloody club. It's fantastic.
0: We'd have to have close to the most Indigenous players on a list at the moment. We wouldn't be far off it.
3: I'm not sure how many how many boys there are, but, there's, yeah, there is a few. I think St Kilda have done good with their numbers um, in the last couple of years.
0: Well, whoever, you know, thought to bring everyone together like that for that one special moment, um, yeah, an amazing effort and, yeah, for all the players to, uh, to get yeah. together and, and do that, it's just been unbelievable. So... And being the homecoming hero out in the ground with your your two grandsons, that must have been a really amazing occasion for you to spend that time with them. How how did they take it all in? Were they pretty happy oh, with it?
3: it? You should see the my daughter, um, my, my three kids were there, all grown up. But um, and my youngest one, who's she had the video behind her, so she videoed everything, and there was about you know ten minutes of video, and she compartmentalised it to to a lovely summary video three minutes so I could send it to everyone. It's absolutely beautiful. I didn't think much of it when they rang me and said, oh, look, Phil, homecoming hero," And I'm thinking, oh, oh I'll think about it. And Benny Gower goes, what? You'll think about it. He, he, he said, Phil, it is the dream, dream time with the G. It's, we haven't had it for two years. going to be. And I said, yeah, I've thought about it. I'm doing it. All right, settle down. I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but seriously, when I told my kids and then my, my two grandsons, it was like they were doing backflips and emotional thoughts. So it really hit me like on the, the Monday before, last Monday, that, um, you know, how big it would be. And it was certainly, it was that and everything because, you know, as Mitch Mitch uh, videoed me the, during Dinner Tonight from Perth, and he did it two, three years ago, I think, and um, he, he watched it when I sent him the clip and... Uh, yeah, he he just see you know when you when you've got a lot of you know past players, not only Mitch, a lot of people have messaged and, and <laughs> support over the last two weeks. It's you know makes it makes you feel very humbled and very um, connected, I guess. It's, so it's wonderful. Yeah.
0: All right. Uh, we'll, put, we'll have we'll have a quick chat about the game quickly. So uh, Tiggs. What did you like about the Tigers' win over Essendon? Must have been pleasing. Yeah.
1: yeah uh, first of all, the, the, just to touch base. Just to let you know, I'm I'm first generation Australian. My my dad's from Spain, and his introduction into Indigenous culture was Dreamtime game. And one of my favorite. He's passed away now, but one of my favorite memories is the first one. And my dad asking the because like, he was your he could only speak English. But he had no idea about indigenous people at all. And it was the, it was the start of his um, journey to actually find out about them um, about the culture and what it means and what it represents because he was a, he was a fanatic between man. So yeah, just wanted to share that. Um, my thoughts on the game, oh, what it's the weirdest game I've ever seen. it, look, it felt like a 10 goal win, but I left the game really disappointed. But in fairness, to the effort with the boys, we cracked in. We 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 played our game for longer. Um, but it, and you know, I'm not going to talk about the umpires. It's been done to death. But I think the dislike that I had was every time, you know, yeah, you know, we got this, we got this, you know, the dusty goal, uh, the Shay goal um, disallowed when we've got the technology to actually allow those to go through with the snip, and they didn't have it on. They just did not turn it on for such a big occasion. They did not switch it on, and the AFL, instead of owning it, saying "Yeah, it's a mistake," saying "Oh no, we didn't put it on because of the crowd noise," which I don't know if they think we're foolish or we don't understand. But it's on during finals, which are a lot louder. So, um, but overall, I was really impressed. I, I loved. I will get into individual performances later, but you know, just seeing Baker, you know, our young boys, Gibcus, Tarrant. Um, I think he, that was his Richmond game, and he should go on from there. Um, it was really pleasing.
0: Glad you mentioned, Tarrant. I thought it, that was by far his best game for the club, to keep Peter Wright goalless, who was in pretty red-hot form himself, was a vital role in terms of us being able to to get over the line, EJ. So yep. what do you make of the game, EJ?
2: Um, I, I really think, uh, like, like Tiggs, I'm sort of frustrated that it wasn't a bigger win because all the indicators were there that it should have been, but we take the win. You know, we had the Bombers' faux toughness. You know, they decided to fight for one week. Good on them. But, <laughs> and again, Parrish with 43 or 44 of the most ineffective touches known to man. But for us, it was really a sign of us getting back to our game style Um Looking at some numbers and I was talking uh, in a PM with uh, the tale, Jones Racing 82 on Twitter last night about where we are placed and how now that some of our pieces are coming back in, uh, we're getting back to our brand. Uh, we've been number one with the footy in the last month. Uh, we've been number three post-clearance. And we, we think back to 17 and 19, it wasn't our clearance numbers. It was that second ring around the contest where we dominated and we were able to cut supply off them oppositions and things like that. Um, You know, we're actually number 11 for clearances, which backs up that we're not that great there. Our defence numbers have improved points against. We've gone from number 11 to number nine, so we've started the constriction. We're second for points four for the year, and we're sixth percentage. So we're starting to really get to what we are as a club, which is the sad part about it is... Lambert being subbed out because he is such an important part of, in
0: the middle of the ground, how that works. Yeah, that was yeah, a huge part of all that. Uh, Phil, what did you make of the game?
3: I, like everyone, I was, you, you know, you sit down and think, hang on, we, I, I got, we should have, it, to me it was 10-12. But a good sign of it, all the indicators that, EJ, you're talking about, the stats and all that, was the game. If you look at how much we had possession of the ball, I reckon, and I haven't looked at those stats like rugby do, we would have had it 75% of the time. You know, it was just amazing. You think, hang on a minute, it's going in again, it's going in again, but we just didn't convert. And I think um, somewhere along the line, the umpires, and I'm not going to have a go at them because it's not their fault. It's the people up top telling them what to do, telling them, bringing these absolute sanitising rules in that are just destroying the game as we know it. But they've seemed to forgotten about knocking the arms. Dusty, no. which, no. I mean, does he not twice, he not only got his arms knocked, he got his whole body knocked. And I'm thinking, you know, hang on a minute. They're paying, you know, but, okay, they're paid that. But knocking the arms, bang. Lynchy smashed play on so you know i you know i was ne- i was always comfortable we going to win but um i think i think that um look some really really good aspects of that game was that Dustin didn't play that well he's his, his turner he's his foot you know his uh, turnovers by foot during the night you know Surprised me because at, in the warm up, I watched him closely and I thought, this bloke is going to bust this game open and get another another and award. You know, you could just sense it. And it's one of his first touches when he missed that goal out of the center. I think, nah, yeah. a bit off. then he missed two or three 40 meter dart passes, you know, and I'm thinking, Jesus, you know. So he was off and Shy Bolton, he was, you know, he was brilliant. And the good thing about Jai, Shy was that he got caught twice and absolutely smashed into the ground. I reckon the first one was a dangerous tackle, but they let mm. that go. And yeah. um, it didn't didn't bother him. He gets and he tries to do all his dart and it doesn't bother him. You know, it, it, oh, you got me last time, but you're not getting me this time. He's brilliant. Yeah. So, look, and you brought up Tarrant. Tarrant's learning to play Richmond's game. He's learning to not just kick it down the bloody line all the time. He waits and then he finds that outlet. you know. And um, and he was all over, all over their their full forward who's been in magnificent form and to keep him <clears goal throat> was really 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 good. So hats off to him for coming back because he got he got a fair battering in the media and probably it deserved. It, you know? So um, that's good good for the club because the other in years.
0: Yeah yeah exactly right. Uh, the other player I want to give you a special shout out to Shane Edwards who yeah. probably by his own admission hasn't had a great four or five weeks of football, um, but on Saturday night, he really stepped up and made it his own. Like, he it, it just looked like the Shane Edwards of old with his classy touches, freeing up players, uh, and that's the Shane Edwards we've come to know and love. And I really hope that that game's been a, a turning point for him uh, because prior to that, he was looking a little bit dire and he was just a bit on the on the outer as such, but he really cemented his spot and his importance again in that game, which was, uh, which was really great to see, especially on that kind of occasion.
3: Yeah. Look, um, Lambert's very important as, you know, and the, the other pleasing thing was um, um, Koch's, Koch's his efforts and his um, 1% is just amazing. He was he didn't have a big stats game, but I watched him closely and I'm thinking they got to back off this guy because he can still play and he's still leading even though he's not the skipper. It was good to watch. But Prestia, how important are Lambert and Prestia to that pressure game? Oh, huge.
1: The thing is with me, they feed off each other. It's no mistake that we've – I think we've won an obscene stat. It's like over 70% when Lamb – when Lamb has been playing, we've won 70% of our games. That's obscene. Um, mm. And it's because he has that two-way running ability, it frees up that player um, to actually mine Dusty's man in the midfield so Dusty can do what <laughs> Dusty does. But yeah. then in turn, you've got Prestia, who's that quintessential – Two-way runner, he will either get the hard ball or play a defensive role, and straight away click knowing when to go offense. And um, he's he's look for me. He has been for the past two years. When people look at, I reckon um, I reckon Bolton will. I reckon Bolton will end up being a number one player in outside potentially ceiling sire. But currently, as it stands now, even with Martin in the side, for me, pressure is our most important midfielder. because he's so disciplined and he's got the unique things that most midfielders don't have, he knows when to either release it by hand or to kick it. He just doesn't do the one action all the time. You've got some midfielders that always will dish it off by hand, or like, a, like Tom Mitchell, for example, or you've got your kickers. He knows when to do it. And that's why every disposal he has is always generally to advantage of a forward when he kicks inside um, or it's advantage to a midfielder when he feeds the ball. Ball to them, and uh, you—you know—he's just yeah, We're so fortunate to have him. We just got to keep Is him healthy. Thing.
0: Yeah, I know. Every time he comes to the bench, I'm always just like, please, please, just be okay. <laughs> well, I think, I think it
2: was clearly his best game of the year. Um, you, you would, you talk about like—I know I'm a bit of a nerd for the stats, but as a collection of stats, 36 disposals. Second for metres game with 503 metres, six clearances, six intercept possessions, 12 contested possessions and 23 pressure acts. It is just
0: a good game for Yeah, it's an um, unbelievable game. And I'm kind of glad that the buy's coming up soon as well so we can have that break and he can recharge his batteries a bit because we don't need him breaking down. Uh, a few people in the chat have been putting up Jack Ross's name, and rightly so. I think that was easily his best game for the club. I thought he played his role exceptionally well, complimented the other midfielders really well, made smart decisions with the ball and without it, was hard at it, Phil. Uh, what did you make of Rossi's game?
3: I was, look, I've been very critical of young Rossi because um, yeah. when he has, has been given a, a few games and a good run, he, he just he looks too tentative and he's uh, never finishes off, or not, not never, but often, you know, gets tangled up. But Friday night, he was very, very, very smooth. Very switched on. He looked like he meant to be there. You know, didn't look like oh, that's Rossi. You got to give him two or three mistakes. No, he was there. He was invested, and he, he was um, very, very, you know, effective with it, with with as you said, with and without the ball. His movement around defensive and attack. Because I always watch a player movement, not not just with the ball. You know, and he was. Yeah, it was good to see even my son who goes to just about every game said, geez, Dad, Ross is, Ross is moving well. And I said, yeah, he looks like he's he's learnt how to be, in, you know, a cog in this machine.
0: Which is it. it's, which is good because he, he's got a role to play. Unfortunately, he's probably fighting against Jack Graham a little bit in terms of the spot in the side, um, but that's a good problem to have from an overall club perspective, yeah. I suppose, if you've got options. yeah. Um, now, EJ... Is Gibkiss the most hard-done-by man in the AFL, not getting the Rising Star nomination? He had another good game. He's, um, he's in 5-4. Who, who was the clown that got it today? I
2: mean,
0: seriously. Uh, no joke. He's played two games. He plays for Goal Coast. He kicked five goals last week off 10 possessions, which fair play. Good on you. The That's week before, he did, yeah. did nothing the week, literally nothing the week before. So apparently this body of work that you have to have doesn't apply. But no, <laughs> Gibkes, uh, he... He the body so is settled.
2: used as an excuse when they give it to someone else, never when it's your turn. Yeah, no, nah, he, was, he was really solid again. He just... I keep saying it, he doesn't look like a five, eight-game player. He looks much, much, much more mature than that. And how lucky are we? We've got Bolter out injured, and this kid is is there, and he's able. He's athletic enough to do the sort of things that Boulder does, which enables us to play Tarrant and things like that, where, eh, no, nah, look, if, if he doesn't, I'm not, I I absolutely am 100% against terrorism, but if he doesn't get a nomination before the end of the season, I'm going to AFL House, I tell you, right? We're recording this. We know it's real. I'm going to AFL House. It's a joke, no. people. Can I say something? Just what really stuck? I was, I
1: was watching the game with a mate of mine um, who follows another team, and he he said it. So I'm, I'm going to give it. I'm going to give credit where credits due. He said he's never seen a player as tidy that makes as less mistakes as Gibcus at such a young age, and it got me thinking. We've had champions in our back line, you know, Alex Rance. You know, we've got Bolts are emerging, but if we look at them in the, within their first, say, um, one to twenty games. I can remember it's on my head, you know, multiple errors that they make with the football or decision-making or the like. And it's not because Gitkas is playing safe. No, he's putting himself at risk. But he's playing the most disciplined team-first defensive role. He's obviously been superbly coached, and he's got his good mentors around him, but he doesn't lose focus. He doesn't lose – even when we've got the run against us with the umpires and some ridiculous freeze were happening in, our, in, in his defensive half, he didn't lose any composure. He kept – he kept discipline to where he needs to be. His positioning elite. His, his his field kicking is just uh, just glorious to look at. But yeah, we've got we've got a look. He might not win the Rising Star. Look, Brad Johnson, who officiates, admits he doesn't watch Richmond games, so <laughs> which is you know how compromised that 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 award is. But yeah, he'll he'll win multiple Best in Ferris at Richmond.
0: And the uh, the last one I will put to you, Phil. Before we'll ask you a few more questions about your time with the Tigers. Uh, Daniel Rioli and Morris Rioli Jr., uh, just in exceptional form, both of them. Daniel has made the halfback role his own. And I think you know a lot of us probably didn't see that move coming as somewhere that he was going to thrive. But he's been exceptional there. And Morris Jr. has come in. Um, and really, if we're being honest, his inclusion as well as Stack a few weeks ago when they got the pressure gauge right up and got our inside 50 pressure happening again, which is our DNA of the way we play. You must be wrapped for those two blokes.
3: Uh, look, switch for Daniel. I, you know, I'm not something I know. I talk to Mitch, we, we speak every week, and a few other past players. We've got this little connection and we commentate through each game. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's been called out maybe, I don't know, two years ago. You know, he's got it. They've got to put him on half back. Got to, and they're all saying, See, I told you so. I told you so. But because um, that happened to me too, I started on the wing. Then. In the second year, I was back pocket, half back flank, and um, it's a good spot to be if you if you can read the ball, and he's he's reading it beautifully, and his skills, uh, his foot skills are, are you know are outstanding, you know. So it's really good, good for your career when you know you got something else up your sleeve because he can go forward anytime, you know. Daniel, and you yeah. know to watch him, you know, it's still him, it's stuck in in memory, the, you know, the prelim against the Giants in '17. You know, yeah. three or four goals set the pattern for us. Clearly laid down the gauntlet, and it was um, awesome. Young Morris. Um, it's still a work in progress, but geez, you—it's um, you see the uh, Essendon defenders absolutely shit themselves when they're around him <laughs> and they've got yeah. the ball. You are watching and you think, we're, you know, they've got to get rid of it quick or or something. But yeah, he's he's going to be something. I think that. Um, you know the, the good. You know if we can keep keep winning, and uh, you know some games he's not going to get a lot of it. But like, he got t- only ten possessions on Friday night. It, it seemed like he was in everything. Yeah, yeah. So, but I, I, you know, I love. I've, I can't wait to see when he's like 21 twenty one, twenty two. Um, like he's only eight. What is he eighteen or nineteen?
0: I think he's nineteen. I think. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Um. You know, when he's 21 22 when he can do what Cyril did, his uh, first cousin. And, and move midfield you know in and out of that center in and out of that rotation in the midfield when he gets a bit you know a bit a bit of a bigger tank he's going to be a sensational long-term play for richmond and don't don't the don't the fans love him don't we yeah you know, he's, it's an emotional thing and um game and um it's certainly wonderful that uh, the club the club um selected him and and he's doing so well
2: well phil you know why you you said it seems like he was in everything. He was the number one pressure player on the ground.
3: There you go, yeah.
2: Number one for pressure acts on the ground.
3: Yeah,
0: there you go. I I apologise in advance, Teeks, for taking one of your questions away, but it feels like necessary time to ask it. But, uh, Phil, you obviously played with Morris Senior. Do you see any similarities between the two uh, now watching Junior running around? It must be just, uh, you know, an amazing feeling having played with... Oh, God, it's a... a,
3: One, he looks like his dad. He looks a lot like his dad. Um, um, He could probably, he's probably a better mark than Morris. Morris Sr. couldn't mark a bloody wet paper bag, I tell you. He was, you know, um, but yes, look, Morris Sr. was, he would cover the ground and read the ground and carve it up like Greg Williams used to. and, And, you know, he wasn't quick. As we, you know, but he was very evasive. But he's Morris senior, his reading of the play when I couldn't get a key, say, like I played 90% of my games that I played was with him. And I'd, I'm, if I had a bad patch, I would hang around him or Dar I would, I would say, right, I've I, I got a kick in the first two minutes of the second quarter, haven't had it for seven minutes. Where's Flea? Where's Morris? You know, sniff around there because they will give it to you and they will get it. So, um, but he's—he taught me a lot at training. Both, look, Flea was fantastic for my career. Morris was um, wonderful. We play on each other in all the simulation, and he was, come on, what are you doing? You coming or what? We're gonna go this way, not that way. It, you know, that's it's real. What I learnt, I thought I could play in the centre. I thought I was on a baller in my in my junior footy, my country footy. You know, in my even even playing seniors when I was a junior. I was a sentiment right there, bang. When I went to when I played on Morrison's simulation games, you know, I really realised what playing on ball was all about, you know, and it was uh, wonderful. But I had the armchair ride of probably one of the greatest Aboriginal players of all time, and I say that with um, you know with all respect to Goodsey, to McAdam, to to Polly Farmer and and City Jackson. Um, I think if you asked every Aboriginal player who was the smoothest mover. The best to watch, I, 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 I would bet my house on they would say, you know, MJ, Morris, Morris Joseph. That's so, yeah. yeah, it's really um, the similarities. Uh, he's more like Cyril Jr., like his cousin. I reckon he's going to uh, develop when he gets a bit stronger and a, a bit more of a tank, he'll be able to do what Cyril did. Like Cyril was in and out of the centre, high half forward, a lot more, where at the moment... Um, young Morris is playing sort of low forward and getting around that half forward and and it's just he's going to get better and better. I don't think he'll be playing VFL again any
0: time. <laughs> uh, wouldn't, wouldn't have thought so. I think he's already shown he's uh, an important cog. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll get into a few questions about um, your time at the club. So how did you end up at Richmond back in the day? So obviously we'd have been recruiting zones back then. So there's a lot of us uh, younger ones out there Probably don't understand or realise how recruiting zones work. We, we, we've only yeah. even known the draft. So tell us a little bit about that.
3: Well, um, so Richmond was um, some Razzier League, which was you know around Mildura down to Horsham, I think. Then from Horsham to Mildura, Swan Hill, Robinvale, or that northwestern Victoria was Richmond zone. Um, I think that another zone was some part of the metropolitan area. But so I grew up Barrican. As, an, as the biggest number three on my back and my duffel coat of lee matthews i bear for the hawks like you wouldn't believe and i pleaded pleaded with leo rush he's the um the old um uh, recruiting officer then noel judkins who came who recruited me when it was my turn um i played with him i don't want to play for richmond i want to play for Hawthorne don't pick me you know i'm just going down for uni i'm going to play cricket uh, but anyway, I was, uh, that was what I'd say out on the outside, but on the inside, I was so, so pleased that I was going to have a chance because I knew I was going to have a chance, you know, when I was playing, when I was 14 years old playing under-17s, so that you know, which is the thirds for Robin Bale in the St Razor League. And then I won a premiership with the seniors as a 15-year-old. Um, we won the, the 1979 premiership. And then I went off to Assumption College and, Noel Judkins would come and pick me up when I was doing my final year, my HSC year. And I played six permit games for the reserves in 1980 while we were the best team, best club in the league, obviously, with a great premiership win over Collingwood. So, to, I, and I not only played six reserve games during the year, um, Noel would get me extra couple of nights leave. So I would be able to stay, play, and then train or leave early, train on Thursday. Stay with him, play on the Saturday in the reserves, and then go back to Assumption on the Sunday. So I did that for six weeks, and as a, as a, as a taster, I guess so. It was really good. Then I came down in, in, um, went to Melbourne Uni to do my teaching degree, and um, 1981, and I played, and I was so disappointed. I was gutted, but I knew I had to go through it. Um, straight in the under 19s, under 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 Wayne Walsh, the coach. And Noel Bosch, the skills coach, and it was the best thing that ever happened because I had a big hit. I, I um, thought I'm, I'm going to bypass, <coughs> you know, I'm going to bypass the thirds. I'm that good. I've already had a taste of the reserves, and I was best player twice. So I'm, I'm not playing on nine ends. So and I say that to myself. I didn't say it to anyone, you know. But um, I get down there ready for training. Bang, we're into it. And the first, the squads pick for the first few weeks of training and my name's read out first in the under 19s I'm going what what's going on anyway so I played like they, they did it systematically I played 10 under 19 games and then 10 reserve games in my first year and I was only what well, I was 17 so that was pretty cool and then the, and during that year Jeff Martin from Muldura, he played a handful of games towards the end of 81 and he was a bloody good player, he was a wingman, and he was a really good player. And his father owned a big petrol business in Mulduro and he told Francis Berg, I remember, because they came up to him and goes, You've got a big chance because Jeff Martin's not coming back. And I said, What? Anyway, so Jeff Martin decided not to come back. So we had our practice matches and um, I remember having our first intercup pre season practice match down at Sorrento and Berkey had me playing on Matthew Wall, right? Brian Wood's on the other wing, and I ran up to Berkey. Francis Burke went straight up to him like five minutes before the ball was – while we were warming up. And I said, excuse me, Francis, can I play on Brian? he goes, well, if you want to get touched up or you want to learn how to play. And I said, I want to play on Brian Wood. So, all right, he switched me over to Brian Wood. And – um, I had a very good game and Woody didn't have a very good game. I'm not saying I beat him. He just didn't have a good game. So the next week, the team went to Swan Hill to play Carlton in 44-degree heat. And Berkey tells me on the Monday, all right, you're used to the conditions. You come and you'll be playing the whole damn game in 44-degree heat. And I said, beautiful. That suits me fine. <laughs> and... and I think I, anyway, I, I must have did very well there because the next week we played in Port Adelaide. We got jumped on a plane and went to Port Adelaide and played a practice match there. Similar thing, you know. And uh, and then Woody and I were being Brian Wood and I. I don't know who had the other wing, but Brian Wood and I, as though we were battling for that wing position. And I loved Woody. I had so much respect for him, and he was a ripper bloke. But I wanted his spot. I didn't care. And I don't. I don't know why that they they. They put us two on – you know, we were fighting for – there are two wingers. And I just yeah. – all oh, would come to me, who would the other guy that they love so much they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't move. But, um, yeah, so the first game came around and I got the spot. And it was uh, Fitzroy versus uh, Richmond at Fairfield Park Waverley. And I played my first game on Dougie Bowie um, and Lee Carlson. And there was one more – Anyway, I, I, I thought I'd done pretty – done well enough to get another game anyway. So, yeah, coming from Robinvale, via Assumption College, was was um, um, I knew – look, I'm, even when I was little playing footy, I knew I was going to play VFL. I just knew I was going to be a teacher because I could talk underwater when I was five, three probably, and I knew I was going to play VFL because – or AFL footy, so – all those things happened. The only thing I didn't do, what I was, said I was to myself I was going to do, was play a hundred games, retire, and then go and play for Victoria in Australian wow. cricket. And um, I, re- I still, to this day, regret not not trying that because, you know, at that stage, it's just started to become professional. So you had to you had to choose. Craig Bradley tried it, and he was a very, very, very good player with Carlton, of course. And he, I think, he played two games for Victorian cricket, or it was in the Victorian squad anyway. But it was too difficult to, to, to do both. So, um, yeah. yeah, a little bit of history there, but that's how it came about.
0: That's, yeah, it's amazing. EJ, uh, over to you, mate. Wow, well, maybe a, a
2: bit of these first couple of questions have sort of been covered pretty well, I think. Um, cool. we'll talk about Ask me about day Lee no, I we'll I will get there. We, we talked about your debut and it was against Fitzroy and it was against Waverley. And Richmond won to 89 in, and it was 38,000 people. Well, that's great. <coughs> then you kicked your first goal versus Essendon a week later in round three. Round in three. Of, in front of 90,000 Nine, people. 90, was it 97 or something? It was
3: like people were hanging off <laughs> the
2: rafters. <laughs> right. So... You've, you've, you've come into the league and you've made your debut, a good solid crowd of, you know, mid-30s or whatever.
0: Mm.
2: But next week you're in front of 90,000 people. How do you come oh. to terms with that? Oh. What was that like?
3: But for, look, when I ran out the first one, EJ, when I ran out to the first game, I thought there was 70,000 people. I couldn't hear a thing. My head was buzzing and I was thinking, and we, I couldn't get my breath, you know, and, and I was fine. Once I got going, I was fine. But to go out that Essendon game, because that was the Anzac Day game. We had that with Essendon way back then. I'm pretty sure that was an Anzac Day game, was it?
0: Oh, I'd have to check that one. Anyway, Possibly, that I was, there.
3: They were hanging up the rafters. And I was that nervous because I made a really bad blue in this my second game against North Melbourne. And Berkey came up during the week and he goes, don't worry about it. Go to uni. You're going to be in. I'm going to back you in said thank you thank you thank you so he put me on the bench and it was good to be on the bench at the you know for the first quarter i think in a bit because i could i could really you know concentrate on the game what was going on and soak up the unbelievable 90 plus i'm thinking this is unfair anyway i come on and neville fields is running amongst so i come on and i in my recollection it might don't read the statue jay let me let me tell a few here <laughs> um Little fields as a gun player I, I reckon i curtailed him and then Wally he tagged me for a bit carved him up but flea looked after me i needed to get a kick early and um i came on flea got a free kick around about the center ground and i was on the wing and my bloke was still in the half forward so i drifted just into flea's sight like he could just see me just outside on that forward flank wing i'm standing there going Clapping on my hands, going like this, and he goes to kick a long one, turns to me almost right angles, gives a dinky little pass to me about 20, 20 meter dinky little pass. I, I marked it probably on the point of the square, took two or three steps, and kicked a 55 60 meter goal. and I was off and running. I was thinking, Who no, no one's going to touch me now, you know? I was, it was a, and I did have a very good game. I'm not sure of my stats, EJ, you can pull them up, but um. I I um I was very, very, very happy with, with with that and with the enormity of that game. I mean, you know, I was eighteen years old looking around going, oh my god, is this this is AFL Footy, BFL Footy. I'm here from Riverside Park. <laughs> Robin Bale. It was it was like mind-boggling stuff. Yeah. Awesome.
0: Kids. That'd be an amazing feeling. Oh. Thanks. Are you, thanks?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Phil, just keeping on the same year. What, um, what fascinates me because you were so young at that stage. '82 was a great season for us. We won 18 games. I think we only lost four. My question to you is, what what did it feel like? Obviously, you're 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 um at a young age. What did it feel like being part of such a strong team,
3: particularly in your first year? Look. It was it was very strange. Like, I when I say I went down to Melbourne to go to uni and get a teaching degree, that was number one. I really mean that, um, because I would go to training, you know, play games. I think I played fourteen or sixteen games in my first year, and then, but every day, other day, I'd have to go off, get on the tram, either train at Richmond, go into the city and go to Melbourne University. So I'd have this outlet. I'd go there and go. It was all gone. You know that there. That's that's my other life. I have to get a degree. I have to get a, set up my future because even though it was semi professional and we were, you know, pa- we were pa- paid pretty well, that that can finish tomorrow. So, you know, I sort of had this outlet. Um, so it didn't consume my everything. Playing AFL, BFL, AFL, If you know what I mean. You know, yeah. But certainly, look, we had Reigns, Cloak, Rioli, uh, Wood. It was very intimidating. It was very intimidating. Mark Lee, Jimmy Jess. Very. There was this leadership group that um, um, was very, very powerful and, and they were brilliant players. We like to walk into the best club at that time, performance wise, was unbelievable. Training was. You were scared to make a mistake. And then you'd make one and Rainsy would come up, pat you on the back, don't worry about that, son. Just keep bloody going. And you'd think, that was your Reigns. just <laughs> it. Yeah, it's you know? amazing. <laughs> so I'd go, ah, go again. Yeah, because yeah. I sort of new Flea, um, Dale Waitman and Mark Lee, because they were from Muldura. So I played under-17 footy against them before they were drafted, if you know what I mean, right? But, you know, the other guys, you know, David Cloak, Emmett Dunn, Jimmy, Jess, even though he was a country boy, was like God, you know, this big, burly, um, not he wasn't big, he was very sinewy, but big and bullish, Senar back, half forward, and I'm thinking, I'm glad he's on our side. <laughs> yeah. so, look, it was a little bit intimidating, but I was very lucky that Morris started when I, I started. We kicked, we became friends on, the, on his first day. I went to pick him up at the uh, Punt Road Club the day that he arrived in Melbourne. There were no pressmen. There was no song and dance. He came uh, in a taxi, and I, I. There was every recruit was given the golden Holden. It was an old HQ Holden, right? Now that was handed around all the country players. You know, Steve Ralton. You know, a few other players, and we we and we'd all try and get it for two weeks here or three weeks. It was it was a battered old shit heap. But it was like a Rolls Royce to us because we are all at uni or, you know, 17, 18 years old and they had come to Richmond and say, yep, they've got me a car. But we never tell mum and dad and our friends and all that in Robin Bar what sort of car it was. You know? <laughs> you know? but, but anyway, so Morris rocks up in a taxi with his wife and kids. And my job was to give him the golden Holden keys. So I gave him the keys and jumped in the car. He goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm coming with you. You know, so we, tra- we drove to his, his uh, manager organising the house in Melbourne and, and uh, we basically were stuck together. And then Mitch came, I think, two years later. And I, so the three of us were stuck together at the hip. Was, um, yeah, we became very, very close friends and, and uh, sort of an, I, I became an honorary Wee Islander because I'd go up every soon as footy finished, we'd go up and uh, go fishing and stay in Morris's family home his, with his parents on the island. Um, and even, he, yeah, so, you know, a great connection, unbelievable friendship. So his leadership, no one, look, he spoke for a little as a leader, leader, right, on the ground or in the rev-up talks and whatever. He would deal with his actions, always nonverbal communication. And, and I just thought he was wonderful. So did everyone else. And, um, yeah, and, but then we had this leadership void, if you like, when Clokey went, Rainsie went, BT went, Brian Wood left, all in one year. And there was this chasm, of void of leadership for a few years. And, and with that, we went on a bit of a slide. Morris went up to Sydney and lived in a motel for three months and Edelston paid him big dollars to go and play there. And Tommy Havey said, no, I've got Greg Williams coming next week. So Morris actually came back to Richmond which I think, despite me wanting everyone wanting him to come back, I think it was a real smack in the face for the recruiting of Richmond and and the sort of dynamic, if you like. Do you know what I mean? It's sort of like, oh. all right, he, you wanna be here, you took off for the money. And now he's running back. So I'd cement in my spot if you you know, for that period of time in the center. And I thought, you beauty, you finally got my coveted spot. i obviously didn't want Morris to go. I just wanna say yeah. that left. But he did go and I was, you know, we got resettled again and then he came back and I think Cloakie came back as well. Mm. might might have been the same year. Then it threw out the dynamic of the leadership. We were just starting to build. It was me and Hoggy and Michael Pickering and Craig Lambert and we were starting to build this, you know, where we we have to take the mantle now. And Cloakie came back, Morris came back and that sort of, you know, shattered it a little bit. So we were a void of this leadership for a long, long time. And at the same time, of course, our administration were falling apart, you know. But when, in my third, you know, we were the most powerful club in the league in 1980, 81, 82. I think it was 84, we were rattling bloody tins for survival because of GR's mentality about we've got to, you know, kill Collingwood at all costs, even at the recruiting table, at the administration, whatever. And it, and it cost us millions nearly process the survival of the club. Poor old Neville Crowe becomes president of a broke-ass club. And we as players had to go down Front Road rattling tins. You know. So can, I you, can I ask you, though, Phil, just to get you back into a more positive
1: uh, memory, though, I, I've, I've been hanging to ask you this and I'm wrapped that I've got the opportunity to do so. Yeah. You, you're coming up against Colton. It's your first final, right? Because this is, like, I've never played, I've played, you know, junior footy, but I've never played in VFL, AFL, so you, could, you only can just imagine, but I'd love to hear from the horse's mouth, so to speak. You know, you, you're in 82, you played, well, it was the 16 games, you're playing your yep. first final, it's against the arch enemy Colton and you get a win. What are your memories of that game like in that moment after the game?
3: I was um, tense. I, I loved it. I played on, my job was to play on Glasgow the whole game, um, what I can remember. Um, and I I <laughs> thought that I... Did my job. I, did, I made a couple of mistakes. I missed a couple of goals where Cape Berkey absolutely came me for it three quarter time at the end of the game, and I didn't think that they would cost me the you know a game in a grand final because we won the seconds. We won the second semi by what forty eight or fifty eight points or something, um, and I thought I could play under Glasgow. Glasgow was a good player. Covered a lot of ground, so I was absolutely thanked. But once again, it was absolutely. Unbelievable to run out in, a, in a, such a big final um, with a massive crowd against a juggernaut of a club of Carlton, you know Carlton, which was nothing bigger. At the in, you know, for me, and um, breathless, you know, pinching myself all the time. Am I really here? And all this sort of stuff. But, but um, yeah, once Glasgow starts running, you think, you, Jesus Christ, he could cover the ground. You know, we were wingmen, right? And in those days, you <laughs> know. But not Glasgow. He would go back pocket there, cross that wing. Come on, Phil, he'd say, because he was a uni boy too, doing his teaching. Come on, let's go to. I'm going, this passer doesn't stop. So, you know, by half time, I'm trying to cut him off. You know, listening to Morris in my ear, cut him off. Morris would go, cut him off there, cut him off there. So, um, yeah, very. I was absolutely buggered after that game because of the concentration levels. Yeah, so it was a magnificent win. We. Um, I'd love to see a. Uh, that's one game because I, I love it there i can't remember what much what happened but i'd love to see the replay of that game
2: yeah
3: probably because i was so my head you know such <laughs> a concentrating to play on class mm. yeah
1: how did you how did you uh, have, now flipping the coin how how was your memories after the grand final loss
3: that's your experience oh uh, look i because I had a hunch, even though Andy Preston tore his hamstring in that second semi, off his, you know, off his bone, um, and Bushy Mickey Malthouse didn't get through with his shoulder. I knew I was going. I knew I was. He wasn't going to play me. I just knew it. I, the way he spoke to me at the three quarter time and after the game, because I missed two goals and set shots, I'm thinking if I kick one goal, one I, I, I would be playing. But I kicked two pots and um he he give it he was very stern to me and I really knew it. I said that's it doesn't matter how many bloody injuries there are so I went up to him on the um on Tuesday because my Nan my great grandmother the the last um of the of our family's um full-blooded people um Nan was one of the last muddy muddy speakers um that you know had our full language and culture and song and and she passed away that early in the week, so her funeral was on the Thursday. So I, I had to ask Berkey on Tuesday, "Am I playing or not?" So I I pulled him up in the corridor between the, his office and the gym, and the dressing rooms, and um, I said, "Can I have a word?" And I said, "Am I playing in the grand final? Or not not like." And I'm, I said to him, "I'm not being smart or anything, Berkey. he just that my nan passed away." He goes, well, you better go to the funeral because you're not playing. Mm. And I was absolutely gutted, but I knew it was going to happen. But I'm glad that I'd asked him because I don't think they would have told me because it would have been played right out, right up to Thursday night. And there I would have been, you know, wouldn't have been able to go to Nan's funeral back in Robbenvale and but waited there and been dropped anyway. But, you know, I'd come back Thursday night for training. Got back for Thursday night training and so I got over it and I was just helping everyone. I was there for everyone, Morris, Ray, whatever they wanted. I will train the house down thinking if there's some, if there's another injury, they're going to put me in. And then BT was in the same boat. He he was playing well. Um, I thought he, he and I were very, very unlucky. Are you there? Yeah, can, yeah. You, can you hear? Yeah, still there? You know, I yep. thought that. Else is going on here. He and I were very, very unlucky, but we both sucked it up, did the team thing, took our bags to the game, walked into the rooms as if we were, you know, because it was all from, even though we knew we weren't playing. Um, yeah, and I just got over it really quickly. Thought, right, that's not going to happen again. And uh, but it, you know, it didn't matter. We we just went on a big downhill slide from then on. Yeah.
0: You would have made the difference.
2: It's funny you mentioned BT. Sorry? Because It's funny you mentioned BT because um, you kicked seven goals at full forward in back-to-back games in 1988. Yes. Did you enjoy the move up forward? And oh. um, obviously BT was gone by then, but you've got Disco there. How much instruction did you give to him after that? <laughs>
3: I'm just having trouble. You can see me and hear me still. Yeah, yeah I don't know what's going on here. Anyway, um, I I think I, I'm just trying to get my bearings about this. I think I had a bad break a broken ankle in the start of the year. I think that's that year. Um and I came back and just played uh high half forward and then anyway they put me full they had a hunch. It was Paul Sproul or was a K B? Coaching EJ, you should know. Oh,
2: no, I was, anyway, 17, put, I was 17
3: back then. Yeah, they, they put me full forward, and I thought, yep. So I just cleared everyone out. Everyone, I said, I said, this ain't going to work if you ain't going to clear out and give me the 50 because I'll beat the full back, hands down, over 10. I'll beat anyone over 10. I was that confident and that quick off the mark. So, yeah, things just went my way. We, we, it came out of the center. Look, I had Trevor Pool feeding it down my throat. You know what I can remember? Um, um, you know, was it Lamy or or even Matty Knights? So I think it might have been. I think he might have just started then. Mitch. But yeah, I was. I, I think in those times when I kicked seven two seven two bags of seven, I I, I doubt if I would have kicked a point. So some games when I played high half forward, I might have kicked three goals three, or three goals five, or something like that. Because I was a terrible kick sometimes on the run. I could never miss. But um, standing starter, I'd be shaking in my boots. But, yeah, I kicked, to kick that was, you know, it was really good for the confidence. And, um, yeah, I, actually the, the first one was North Melbourne. The next one was Melbourne, I think. The Melbourne game was I really played – I played high half forward, foot forward, and it was one of my best games ever. Was, um, yeah, because I kicked a lot on the run from half forward.
2: Right. Well – of all your time at Richmond, what is your one favourite memory?
3: Oh boys, boys, boys. Oh as a player?
2: Um, yeah, as a player, yes, as a player, yes.
3: All right. Probably the probably the game's quicker because I loved to Hawthorne so much as a kid growing up, the day I'd never, ever forget is when I think it was Patto, Mike Patterson, I think it was about 84, 85. I was in and out of the centre with Morris and um, playing on the wing centre or half-forward centre when Morris wanted a break. Anyway, this week the coach, and I'm pretty sure it was Paddo. I'll call it Mike Patterson, said, no, you're playing on number three. And I said, you don't, you're not serious, are you? Lee Matthews? Yep, you're playing on him. I grew up idolizing him. I'd number. his number on my back since I could walk on duffel coats and all that. Anyway, I ran into him a couple of times and I worked out I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> so, just to play on Lee Matthews, um, and um, was just like a dream come true. A couple of games that we played at Waverley, I can remember us Hawthorne were the juggernaut at the time. They were unbeatable. And one game in particular, Barry Rowlands, I think, had 45 kicks because he never had any handballs, Baz. Never would handball. Brilliant, brilliant fella, great footballer. Barry Rowlands absolutely um, turned it on one day at Waverley and we beat the rampaging Hawks. I remember that game like it was yesterday. That was that was a brilliant day, brilliant day. Um Look, there's, it's funny. Is as you get older, you know, like I'm 59 now, as I get older, I remember more and more and more. Whereas, probably if I was, you know, 10 years ago, I would remember, yep, that's, I would be able to answer, that. yep, I remember that's when I kicked, you know, when I played halfback flanking and, and, and um, I don't know, I had three shots, from, kicked two goals, three from the halfback at Princess Park, or had three marks of the day at Princess Park against Hawthorne. <laughs> See, I remember more as I get older. <laughs> remember that? Master highlights of the of the day. Yes, and I had three marks. Played on Dipper, smashed Dipper. I'll happily <laughs> say that. Absolutely no Dipper apart, Took three marks on the wing on blythe shoulders, and I was in the Mazda highlights mark of the day three times on the same day. There, was, was
0: there was there a mark of the year prize back then? You win the car as yeah, they I'm, do these days.
3: I didn't get in. Yeah, there was. Look, Mitch won was Mark it? of the goal and Year in one the same same year. He won a U. A the, yeah, he won the U and the petrol. Biggest mistake giving a black fellow a the petrol. <laughs> they gave him the petrol card, not the petrol. A petrol card. So all his results would work.
0: So he won both in the year. That's uh, and you won, You didn't get anything for, for three in one game. That's
3: no, no, that's no. I had, didn't get three. They, they were nominated, you know, on World of Oh, League. Okay, yeah. I was nominated, and then I took one on on off Gary Ablett. Oh, that's another one I remember really well. See, you know Ablett um, at the start of the game, all the warm up, lead up training. The coach said, "You're the only. you you've got all the att- attributes. You can beat him." I see. Oh, I'll scorch him on the wing. I've got because he's got no tank. I'll run him off his legs. <laughs> um, so here he is, Phil Egan's playing on Gary Ablett on the wing at the MCG. The ball's bounced. Ablett runs into the center, into the scrimmage, doesn't even worry about the ball, darts straight to full forward. I turn around to the coach's box and what am I doing? And the runner runs out and said, just you're playing on him wherever he is. So I'm full back against probably one of the best <laughs> full forwards that ever played the damn game. And he ends up with 14. 14 goals. And I reckon he kicked eight of them on me. Oh. Nightmare. But I took mark of the year on him. For me, anyway, it was mark of the year. So I think it won mark of the day. Um Took a one hand on his <laughs> hand on his head. Ran off and had a probably 18 kicks and 10 handballs, which is, wasn't bad for full back. But he kicked 14 goals. I couldn't believe it. There's a there's a wonderful picture in Ablett's pictorial book because he can't talk and he can't write. Couldn't write much. So they he, he did this book. You know, Gary Ablett was called Pictorial. His history in pitches. And on that round, he kicked his 13th goal, and all you can see was this number 13's back with his head in his hands saying, Get <laughs> me out of here.
1: Can <laughs> I, I ask you, Phil, because you're talking, you're bringing up so, you know, legends of the game, um, who would be the best player that you've played with, period, hands down? Who would be the best player?
3: Ask me who were the best player that I played on. All right. Who was
1: the best player that you played on? Robbie Flower.
3: Yeah. Absolutely taught me how to play the win. Both times. I thought I did pretty well. I kicked three points in the first quarter at the MCG. And Robbie said to me, Jesus, Jackie boy, you're going to regret that. And um, and he was a lovely fella, Robbie. And, um, and then they started having this, you know, every time we kick a point, they kick it out. And they'd all bunch up in the centre, and Robbie Flower starting on the you know, and I'm thinking, oh no, here we go, and he'd take off the other side. I'd run with him, and he would take a mark just in front of me, and then he did it about six bloody times, and they, oh, it was embarrassing. But I couldn't, I was with him, but I couldn't, couldn't stop it. They kicked it right down his throat. But he taught me a hell of a lot. He was a, you know, just about football. Um, you know, playing that wing position. Um, yeah, he was, a, and he was a lovely fella. After the game, he he would seek you out and talk to you and pat you on the back and keep your head up or whatever. If you because I should have kicked his ass. I remember kicking three points in five minutes in the first quarter, and I should have buried him. But kicked three points instead of three goals. But um, Robbie Flower. Was, was absolutely the best. The other player that was uh, probably the hardest player was um, Darren Mullane. I played on Darren a lot when we played Collingwood and, and hard as he would knock the shit out of you, knock you down, land on you, then grab your shoulder and lift you up and say, Come on, Jackie boy. You know, you've had harder than that. Get up. He was the hard <laughs> unit. Um, but the best player I played with, look, it's a it's a hard one. Obviously, you know, I've had. Yeah, you know, I had Morris there for my whole career, um, but Dale Whitman was, a, you know, Dale and Jimmy Jess. Probably Dale Whiteman was probably even though he won a lot of accolades, you know, with Victoria and, um, and all that. I had the close up to watch him. Cl- such a small frame man, play the way that he played was amazing. Um, and once I, you know, I've said it before. If you needed a kick, you just hang around number three or number. Seventeen. And if you couldn't get a kick then, then you better go and do something else.
0: <laughs> that is uh, some fascinating stories. Phil, um, I've had a, a pop up message on my screen that my PC is going to restart in six minutes. Would you believe it? it's a work computer and they've got an auto update that's about to run, which is just horrific timing. <laughs> I'll, I'll ask one more question, and then we'll take a look at the uh, the Sydney game coming up. But we will have. <laughs> so to I'm going to leave you know, then,
3: guys, because my, I'm yeah, I'm a bit late cause...
0: Yeah, if you don't mind. Yeah, no worries. No worries. You've been, been an absolute legend coming on tonight. Those stories are sensational and I would love to dearly to have you back on to hear more about your times as a Tiger and yeah. your fascinating stories. Um, an absolute treat for all the listeners, just sensational and really appreciative of your time. So we'll have to get you back on to some other stage to to hear more of these great stories, mate. Thank you so, so I much.
3: Seeing, I was um, devastated that it didn't work last Monday, but so happy to talk about Dreamtime at the G. Um and what you know, the wonderful game after after the fact it's probably been better. But um I agree, I, I agree. All our fans out there, even though I'm, you know, I'll, I'll sit here and and we'll you know blow off about how I loved Hawthorne and all that. Once I ran out there with a Richmond jumper, that's it. And even today, my kids are still proud Richmond. They're all Richmond members, and my son uh, hardly misses a game. So we go a fair bit. So uh, we're we're absolutely mad Tigers, and uh, even through. All the hard years of, you know, when I played for him to right up until, you know, even before 17 when we broke through, you know, we sort of um, die hard, if you like. And my two grandsons, I've got, I've got a little battle on my hands, boys. I've got one, my, my seven-year-old, Taton, he is Richmond through and through. But Archie he's five and he reckons he's going to play AFL with the Bombers. I, I, I can help
1: you Phil. I've, I'm a dad with four kids. What I did to my youngest, I yep. just said, simple this. Santa does not deliver presents to <laughs> everybody that does not follow Richmond.
0: Fix uh,
3: like that. Well, I took him <laughs> out of the ground on Saturday. I took them both out on the ground on Saturday.
0: He Surely that plays a factor.
3: All, all the jumpers, right? And Richmond won. And after the game, you know, he goes, he goes, my heart, because that's what they call me. All right, I think I'll play for the Tigers. I said, you are Yeah, very it. good. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> nah, very right, good. guys, I've got,
3: I've got to go. I appreciate it. All good, you. mate. Um, Any time. If you've got Absolutely. spot, give us a call. honey yeah, i much Thanks, appreciate it.
0: Enjoy. All right, thank you so much. Thank
3: you. See you,
0: guys. Love it. You. See ya. All right, what a treat that was, us, listeners. Phil Egan, absolute royalty in the house. Um, sensational stories, fellas. You could just listen to him for hours. Um, my my PC legitimately is going to shut down in 3 minutes, 45 seconds. So this will be the quickest uh, preview of a Sydney game you'll ever see, Tiggs. Well, I just want you to do a quick what? thing about... Yeah,
1: yeah, I'll go give guys the, you know, I've mentioned about four podcasts ago about GWS a player's gonna it's down now you'll start to hear it. Um I'll, next show I'll update you with the news that I heard two days yeah, ago.
0: People are tagging me or well, and you as well about what you said about yeah. the cap space with Hopper and um Taranto, I think it was. Yeah. So we'll uh, we'll definitely put that one on ice and get to that one next week for sure. But uh big game against Sydney this week, fellas. Uh seventh oh. first eighth. Um they're coming off a, a loss. They've obviously lost Kennedy as well. It's it's a big game, Tiggs. We're, it's you know every game's a, yeah. a must-win game. But um, in two minutes fifty-nine or less, how are we going to get the job done? Real quick,
1: real quick, Thank God it's a small ground, right? So we've got the tools to contain it, the mobility of Franklin. If we can press the ground even further, I think what my worries is, is their grunt. But they've lost Kennedy, so that balances a bit. They're, they're real they're very great at the counter attack they burst football better than any other side but they can get exposed really quickly on the on the counter attack themselves. so I reckon boys shoot out I reckon let's load up yeah. let's go full offensive movement um and just it just because their defense is fragile if it's under enough pressure it breaks and you can get streams of goals so that's my call. Um, It'll be um, the OK Corral, you know, a standoff. It's going to be pretty good.
0: We just need that extra assistance up forward, EJ, with Lynch. obviously missing this week. Rewild obviously in good form. But with no bolter, is uh, is Cumberland the man to come in to play that forward role or how do you see that part playing out?
2: No, I think Graham and Picker will come in.
0: Um, and I think they'll
2: use the resting Ruckman like Soldo was good forward last week. That's uh, cool. when, when he went down there. Uh, I think they'll go with what they know uh, because Sydney are an experienced and hard side. Uh, I'm trying to be brief. Uh, Logan McDonald in their forward line is one we really have to watch.
0: Mm, uh, yeah, if we win yeah, this, true.
2: we're a serious chance at
0: top four. And Papley as well. Both uh, know, where yep. the, know where the goals are. So I think Rioli is the man for the Papley job. I think that's going to be a fascinating match-up. I know Tiggs will be looking forward to that one with uh, how good Rioli's been all year. Um But, yeah, it's going to come down. And, actually, your call about having Soldo or the resting ruckman up forward will work well on the smaller ground. And Jaden Short's blast kicks out of the middle on a smaller ground is going to be in a real dangerous area. So if we can get some really nice deep entries from um, centre clearance, we could cause some damage. We've got uh, 60 seconds.
1: Particularly pick it on the wing with his long kicking. One thing I want to say before we go, let's get Mansell in the
0: side. With Lambert
1: out, let's train Mansell until Lambert. He's got the tank.
0: He played half-forward in the VFL game for stints, and he can run both ways. I'm 100% That's on board right. with that, Tiggs, get Mansell in. Uh, I think he's got the work rate to match what Lambert does. Quick round the grounds, who's going to win? Well, we're going to win, of course, but by how much? Margins, Tiggs?
1: Um, look, I'd say it's going to be a tough contest. I reckon nine points. I reckon it's going to be a thriller.
2: We'll yeah, take the four I reckon... points, EG. Yeah, I'm going to say in honour of uh,
0: Phil, 13. Very good. I'll say Tiggs by 21. So... And in honour, of CB, the
1: in honour of CB, he reckons um, 103 points, Tigers way.
0: Yeah, he, hopefully he's right. All right, thank you so much, Aaron, for tuning in. Much appreciated. Phil was an absolute superstar. We'll definitely get him back on. Uh, well, until the next time in the, in the, the last five seconds. Go Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> <That was. laughs> he's down. He's out. It's
2: actually gone. That is hilarious. It's gone. Oh, <laughs> All right, brother. You have a good one. All All right. Phil, Phil, Phil just went on and on. Oh, it was great. It oh, was great. That was amazing. He was really comfortable. Yeah, that was
1: awesome. So yeah, that, it that was good. It was good. It was funny too because some of his answers, he's he, not not his ramblings, but if you know what I mean, he's just you know just talking, was answering the questions before you could ask them, so you yeah. had to frame them in a way to make the context. That's why I didn't even bother. I texted Michael and said, I'm not going to ask the last question. He's already answered it.
2: I was texting him saying, I'm going to skip this, I'm going to skip that. <laughs> 100%. Right, 100%. I don't know well, if we're I'm... still
1: live. I don't know if sure. we're still live because Michael's computer turned off and he has turned it on.
2: Well, let's get out.
1: Now that we're still live. All right. Thank your mother for the rabbits. Good night all.
2: See you, everyone.